zone i'm brian fulford i promise with uh with a funky voice today and uh that's kelvin rozier kofi hemingway i'm gonna try to have them do more talking than me today as uh i don't know it's just been one of those things with my my voice over the last few days so that's just what i'm dealing with kelvin kofi how you brothers doing today I'm good, man. That's what you get for ho hollering at people, kids, man. When you're coaching, man, you, you can't scream to the top of your lungs, man. You have to talk to them calm and professional, and 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 they're they're self motivated. They don't need any kind of uh high high velocity thrown, no shade thrown anyway, man. You don't have to tell them they suck. <laughs> you realize no, I'm coaching that's high that's school, not college. <laughs> yeah, that'll make yeah. you lose your voice, buddy. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, that'll 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 do it. <clears throat> no, I just think it's a little, it's a little, it's a little flimmy, you know. All that I don't know what you know. It's a little thing going around. Uh, fortunately, you know, I, I'm trying to do everything I can do to stay safe. Kofi, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Where's your tea at? Uh, it was in, it was in my little mug here. It's, uh, had some lemon, hotties, lemons and some, no, no. Cause then I won't make it through show. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> if it were hottie toddy, I wouldn't make it through the show or it might get real wild up in here. One of the two. You look on there and say, why is Brian sweating so much? Yeah. That, no. So I try not to do that. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, so we'll try to get through this show again. I'm gonna try to let I'm gonna try to let Kelvin and uh, Kofi do as much of the talking as uh, as possible here in this show, while I try to to keep my voice about me as much as possible. Uh, I want to thank you guys for watching the OG Strike Zone on uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube, and uh, those of you watching on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you uh, hit that thumbs up button, hit the like button there on those streams, wherever you're at. Please make sure to follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. And then go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. There you see it at the top right of the screen, my JBN, my BCSN, on the uh, Google Play Store or Apple App Store. And then also... Download the BCSN Pod Zone. That's BCSN Pod Zone to hear the podcast version of all of our shows on Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple 
and Google Podcast and more. All right, so on today's show, uh, we got a lot of just uh, a lot of housekeeping stuff. You know, a lot of news going on around HBCUs, um, a few uh, awards and all kinds of stuff to talk about <clears throat> with FAMU. And uh, coming up in the second hour, we'll talk to our interim head track coach, Coach uh, Rufus Peoples, and we'll get a <clears throat> get to find out what's going on with our track program as their season, I believe, starts coming up in January. All right, so Kelvin, what's uh, what's the first story we got? What's the first thing on the agenda on the rundown? Uh, basketball, ladies' basketball. Our, um, yes, indeed. Our ladies uh, played Tuskegee on, what was it, Monday? Monday. And, um, came with a victory in overtime. Hard-fought victory. Now, it was mentioned that Tuskegee has quite a few uh, uh, Division One transfers and JUCOs, pretty much their whole squad. So they're 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 a experienced squad that's played a lot. But it was a it was a hard-fought game on the Lady Rattlers. Uh, pulled away f- for a little while, and then and then then they, then um, then a run will be made by Tuskegee. And the final score in that game in, a, in overtime and a uh, two-point win for the Lady Rattlers. Um, and it's also is their second win of the season. Um, one win over Georgia State and one win over uh, Tuskegee. So uh, right now we're just trying to stack up Ws. They got Mississippi State tomorrow. Um, SEC school, and of course, uh, you know they that they're dealing with a tragedy in their athletic department with the death of their head football coach, uh, Coach Mike Leach, and um, we definitely want to send out um, prayers and condolences to the uh, to the Mississippi State uh, athletic family friends loved ones on uh, that passing. Let me let me ask you guys, when you look at this game against Tuskegee, uh, now Tuskegee, I think, are one of the better uh, Division II women's programs, division teams. Uh, I think they'll be in the hunt for the SIC title this year. Um, they've been a playoff caliber team each of the last two seasons. I think they went to the playoffs two years ago. I can't recall last year. But when you look at us having to go into overtime with a good Division II team, what is that? Do you, do you feel like, hey, that's, you know, on par with where we're at? Uh, do you look at it as if, you know, really Tuskegee is more like a low-level D1 or – well, just what in general? What's your take on going to overtime, winning by two against Tuskegee? I I think at this point in the schedule, I think um, you know, just given we are who we are, where we are at this time. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, you good. We, you know, just where we are at this time. And um, I think that we have to, you know, we have to take the wins as we get them, considering where we were last year when we didn't have any wins and, you know, um, until well farther, much further along in the season. So uh, I'm happy with the progress of this team. I can definitely see that they've improved. We are competitive and uh, we're finding ways to win where we didn't find those ways last year. So as the team continues to make progress and we stay healthy, we will be a factor in the tournament. I, I agree. And um, we had four players in double figures. So it was a it was a team win. And at this point, um, just learning how to win and making sure you win those these games. This is a game we're supposed to win. We're at home um, and finding a way to win it. I think those lessons are important for this team right now in this program where they're at. And um and so you know, you you gotta take the W, man. A win is a win. <laughs> right. Right, right now, and the team is playing more competitive against D one um, talent. So we're, we're we're looking better, and um, just we'll just hopefully you know um, between now and conference play, they'll continue to build that uh, chemistry and camaraderie. Um, if we can get four players to average in double figures every game, I think that's that's a good thing. That's a good sign there. Yeah, I, I like the fact that prior or coming into the Tuskegee game, the other mid-majors, uh, let's see, we played Sam Houston, lost by eight. South Alabama, lost by 10. Eastern Michigan, lost by seven. Uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe in the glass half full, and they want – instant improvement we get it but this is a this is a building process you know this is a uh this is a, a house being built and right now we're still in the concrete and laying brick stages so uh you know i, I think that's all what it is uh any other what else? What else is going on, Kelvin? We're, we're talking basketball. What else? What, we got some men's basketball action to talk about, right? Yes, uh, the men's played uh, um, yesterday against uh, uh, also against a D two Edward Waters, and that game also uh, ended up being a pretty competitive fight. Um, one thing that I noticed about this particular game was I had been looking for a specific player. I don't, I don't know if Ming Stevens, um, but uh, he was the guy that shot the three-point shot and went off uh, in, in one of our uh, – actually, a couple of our games last year. He's a three-point specialist and hadn't seen much of him up until this last game. But he did get in and scored, I believe, seven points um, against Edward Waters. The Rattlers ended up winning the game 58-47. So our two wins have been against Division II opponents. 
And um, we, you know, just being honest, uh, the, the team has not looked good offensively all season, right? They haven't been very competitive out of conference and have really um, struggled against uh, the, the, the two Division two teams. But they're, they, they won. And I'm hoping they, you know, they're getting healthy and they got some guys back. And, and, um, but it's going to be tough, man, for them. Uh, because they next three games, you know, it's like Louisville, Kentucky, and Purdue before they go into the swag play. So Louisville is, a, you know, ain't doing well this year. Who knows? But uh, of course, Kentucky and Purdue, you know, that's. It is what it is, you know. So hey, uh, we we knew this schedule. We knew this schedule was going to be hard. Doesn't it? I mean, why refresh or what we knew? Why did we schedule such a hard schedule with such a new <clears throat> team? Well, well I, I, I believe don't think it, that it they were. It kind of falls into two things, on um, Brian. I think uh, one is that uh, you know we have to have a certain amount of guaranteed dollars. Uh, usually, they, you know, I think that you know them somewhere around um, six hundred fifty thousand that basketball men's basketball have to bring in or something like that. And and then um, I think he might do a little extra to see if uh, anything above that can go back into the program itself. But. Uh, and then it's about who's available. Um, also, for us, a lot of people don't realize, I think Coach mentioned it one time when he was on our show, is that uh, the, the, availability, the availability of Lawson, they have to work around, uh, you know, graduation and and other events that already are in that facility. So um, they don't always get first choice of a date so so it is it, a combination of things i think cool Kofi, you sounded like you want to get in there jump jump in there well i mean you know at the time we still when they made the schedule um bj was still contemplating um playing for us so that also has a lot to do with uh some of the stuff, but you know, right now, the, really with the new team, the schedules at the beginning of the year, I think we should be used to it by now. The schedule is still the schedule. I think that, um, at some point though, we've got to really look at where we are, look where we are right now. What is the vision for our basketball program? Where do we really, right. really, really want to be, and how we really, really, really want to get there? You know, it's um, it's a revenue sport. So we've got to figure out how we can literally be con successful consistently because the current model that I'm seeing right now is not working, you know, and I know that uh, coach is a great guy. I think he's a, a fantastic guy, but at the same time, we've got to supply him with whatever he needs so that he can be successful. We've got, he has the APR, the graduation stuff figured out. Those guys listen to him. They respond to him. What we do not have is the infrastructure aspect of our basketball program. And where the other part of that is that we don't have the, um, 
uh, I want to say the additional uh, necessities uh, that are crucial for our success, for instance, with our trainers and everything else. So we've got to really do an assessment going in, especially with our new AD coming in and say, OK, this is where we are now. Um, we believe that he's going to be able to get us here. This is where we can be. And this but this is where we want to go. We want to be sweet 16 level. We want to be uh, elite eight level. You know, we you know, whatever that is. We need to start defining that now and, and start looking at ways to make that happen. I agree 1,000% with you, Kofi. Um, I, two interesting things. One, did you guys hear Jackson State's Mo Williams? Did you hear his plea? Absolutely. I to, heard it. You know, and that I, was you know, amazing. Every eight. Every HBCU needs to say the same darn thing. You know, it's especially us. Um, you know, we've got a 9,000 seat arena. We have yet to have 9,000 people for a basketball game. We've yet to do it. But we know that the people are there because we get over 30,000 people for homecoming. All we need is a good consistent average of between five and 6,000 people and Lawson will rock. Now, we can get to the nine, I think we'll really, really, really be balling. You know, but our people are not emotionally connected to our basketball team because we've sucked for so long. Um, and we've got to figure out again, if we say that we want to be successful, there are layers to our success. A, the administration has to be all in. Um, our, our AD administration has to be all in, uh, Rattler, our, our players have to be all in and Rattler nation also has to be all in. We've already shown that Lawson is a very, very tough place to pull out a W. Imagine if it was Pat, <laughs> we're not even half pulling right. in the mug most of the time, but if, if, if Lawson is packed, bro. It is really going to shift. It can really shift the narrative regarding how far we believe this program can really go. And I believe that we can. Hey, uh, I just want to add real quick. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw Florida. I don't know if y'all saw Florida State game. They played yesterday, too. Um, about a, They start times about an hour after hours. And they 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 were they might have had a thousand people of that in in, in um, the, the Civic Center also. So I, I bring it up to say that this time of year in Tallahassee uh, is pretty tough unless you find a way to get the local crowd excited and out. Um, you know, it ain't, it ain't just us. The, the numbers not there. The students are gone and um, folks getting ready for the holidays. And, and you know, I get it. And, um, the other thing I would like to see is, uh, is for us to have some you know, have our marketing promotions and stuff done earlier in the year. And then during every week, they have some kind of reminders and highlights, uh, you know, inviting folks out and so forth. The fact that we didn't have season tickets. I mean, I, I tried to go to the, I, I paid to go to the first game, but I tried to get my season tickets then. And the fact that I, I still don't have season tickets for basketball. That's a problem. Wow. So operationally, yeah. we, we have to do some things too. 
How many? What's the like what's I the said, population of Tallahassee? Four hundred thousand people. Well, if you can, so, if you add in the you know the metro area, if you add in the county, two hundred thousand you know, metro, Quincy and Walcala and Jackson and so forth. I mean, I'm yeah, Walcala, Jefferson, and um and Leon, uh, and Gaston. Then you 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 buy that four hundred thousand. So I I would look I I you you mentioned a thousand for Florida State at the Civic Center I'd love to see a thousand uh, at Lawson you know um, and it's interesting how many different times we can plea you know I we can talk about hey we'd love to see you pack the pit. We talk. We seem. I feel like we have the same plea to whether it be marketing, whether it be the athletic department, whether it be the student body. I mean, there are all there are all kinds of grassroots ways that we could build and increase the attendance at Lawson Center. You know, and I'm not trying to say that nobody is trying those but i'd really i'd really love to know why it's not happening you know i i I'd, I'd hate to really buy in this belief that nobody cares nobody's doing anything i know i don't, I don't, I don't want to believe that uh but yeah it's 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 disappointing and then i like we've got the scheduling is just all set up poorly uh for example, we've got Bethune Cookman, and I saw uh, our good friend Dexter Martin post this. We've got Bethune Cookman scheduled, what, the first week of January, and the students aren't even back yet. Yeah. Why would we do that? Well, we I didn't mean, do that. Know, the conference makes it, yeah. Yeah, the conference makes it schedule. I, I, I get that, but I mean, at some point, we've got to. Well, I know the conference makes the schedule. I get it. I I would really love to see somebody make that plea to the conference and say, and maybe they have, I don't know, maybe they have, to kind of say, hey, uh, conference, our biggest rival is Bethune, and it's before any students are back. Well, I mean, we got to be better than that. It's got to be better than that, you know. Um, real Agreed. quick. I wanted to, I, I put together some graphics because I got a feeling, guys, call me crazy. We have a very good chance to win our first game of the season on Saturday. And when I say our first game, our first game against a Division One opponent. Because on Saturday, we play the Louisville Cardinals, who actually, as of today, are a worse basketball team according to ratings that the NCAA tracks than FAMU are right now. Uh, Mel, if we could pull up graphic number one, because there are 364, 65 teams that are rated in the NCAA, and the NCAA makes their net ratings. And we actually, FAMU comes in at 357, and Louisville 
comes in at 359. And I'm going to give it a second to see if our, our producer Mel has those graphics. Uh, because when you look at the comparison of Louisville and us, we have two teams that are performing at a really poor rate right now. It's really interesting for Louisville, who is in the ACC. Uh, they won two national championships in their program history. Uh, and they're struggling just as poorly as we are. Uh, so maybe we don't have them ready. So let's do this. Let's take a break and come back and let's analyze FAMU versus Louisville this upcoming Saturday and why I believe the Rattlers have a very good chance to pull off a win in Louisville, Kentucky. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Coles Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net. And on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. We are making the virtual HBCU experience available wherever you live through Stillman Online. 
we offer online degrees in business, criminal justice, psychology, and religion. Stillman also offers technology badges in cybersecurity and data analytics. You can participate in all student activities, fraternities and sororities, internships, graduation ceremonies, and much more. Apply for admission today at stillman.edu. Stillman College, where we prepare you for a different world. to spice up your closet with trendy unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com That's www.melvetboutique.com Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org. Okay, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone, Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. And, um, well, we, uh, so we were talking about uh, Louisville uh, and FAMU's game coming up here on Saturday. Uh, and it's a big opportunity here for FAMU. Let's take a look at the tale of the tape. And let me preface this by saying, guys, tonight Louisville is taking on Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Louisville is a seven and a half point home underdog. Again, I, I kid you not. All right. So anyway, Mel, put the first graphic back up there again. Let's go through the net rate. Kelvin, if you will, go through this, because I don't have much of a voice right now. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about our strength of schedule. Um, we've played uh, quite a strong schedule, considering um, where we position, and um, our strength of schedule is 10, 10 um, um, points higher than theirs, uh, positions higher than theirs. We're both 0-6 against D1 opponents. We've been on the road, of course, uh, getting those checks. So, uh, you know, whereas uh, Louisville has only been on the road once. They're, they're 0-5 at home. So um, just looking at that breakdown, it does seem like um, there's, there's a chance. 
And um, we, we're a solid defensive team. And when you're playing a team that uh, is struggling, as Louisville is, you're hoping that uh, your defense will keep you in the game. But, yeah, um, it's, it, it, it on paper, yeah, it's a winnable game. Yeah, there's only 365, I think, is the number teams that fall that net ranking. Uh, now, go to the next graphic, Mel. These are some of those numbers, Kelvin, that you were just talking about. Yeah, so you know they're the only um averaging uh, two points more per game than we are, uh, and um being outscored by double digits almost twenty. We we at, we we're being outscored by twenty. They're outscored by seventeen. Uh, we allow about the same amount of points uh, per game thus far, seventy five and seventy four. Uh, they only shoot thirty seven percent field goal percentage. And uh, we're at 35, and then 288. So, so yeah, all the all the numbers. We have we're the same team right now. Now we'll be the road team, and they still a ACC team. And um, so you you you'll still be going against, and they they probably looking at that game as their game to get back on track as a W, and you know so so <clears throat> we have to come to play. But it would be it, 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 it's 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 a it's a game that we should be in. Kofi, if if we knock off Louisville, is this a, as big a win as what we did when we played uh, what Iowa State, or you know how, what what what's the impressions if we knock off Louisville? Given how how poor like they're worse than us by the metrics is it still a big well win historically historically it would be the biggest win in famu history easily it's a blue blood wow um yeah. regardless of what louisville has done or where they are right now uh famu beats louisville that's the biggest win in famu history if, as far as basketball is concerned um louisville is a traditional blue blood power and um, in basketball, so to be able to come away with the victory against an ACC opponent, that'll be our first victory versus the ACC opponent and uh, against the Blue Blood program like a Louisville. You know, I know we beat Iowa State a couple of years ago, but, you know, they, they don't have near the history that Louisville does in basketball. And by the way, Brian, I just add, you know, the swag has done really well in out-of-conference games thus far. Uh, Grambling, in particular, man, has about four four wins, I think, over group group of five or power five schools. And, of course, we talked about what happened with the S uh, – I'm sorry, with the Pac-12 challenge and um, us, you know, going 500, winning the home games and even one on the road uh, as a conference. So the conference is doing really well. Which is why you want to see FAMU basketball team turn the corner and start to uh, compete too, because uh, conference play may end up strangely enough being more difficult than the out of conference schedule. Save two or three games. Good point. Good point. What's uh, what's next on the agenda? 
Well, we, we got uh, athletes who graduated and um, and some All-American teams for football. So um, let's start graduate. Um, graduate graduate weekend, and we had twenty-two uh, student athletes who graduated in the fall. Uh, football led the way with thirteen graduates. Softball had three. Women's track had three. Volleyball had one, and men's track had one, and women's basketball had one. So congratulations to my fellow alumni now. Uh, and that's what it's all about. That's a win when you when you have uh, folks graduating and and um, joining the life, the, the workforce and everything, then that's that's a win. So that's, that's what it's all about. That's why HBCUs exist, to educate. Kobe, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, we as bad as a year that we had with all that publicity with the APR and everything else that's gone out to see our players graduate, that's a big deal. Um, and especially with uh, African-American males doing it in all of our athletes. It speaks to their dedication, their discipline, their follow through and their ability to finish. Um, so they get kudos for all of that. And I want to see us, you know, again, um, I wish there were another way that we could celebrate our athletes, but I mean, they get kudos. Their their future is bright, and uh, they're carrying the FAMU brand and the FAMU torch in the community. I've said before that FAMU is a launching pad for emerging leaders, world changers, and record breakers. So I'm looking forward to this next generation of Rattlers going out and really changing the world and making an impact. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> so we had a couple of uh, um, all-conference teams announced uh, with Rattlers a part of. Um, one was the uh, Phil Steele SWAC all-conference team. And then we had the uh, Box to Row uh, HBCU all-American uh, all team. And FAMU led the way, just as they did with uh, the the All Swag first team with All Swag nom nominations. Um, we had we were well represented, um, and those uh, all those teams pretty much look look similar in terms of the rattlers who made it. You had your kicking specialists, uh, both punt punting Fadul and um, kicker uh, Romo, and then we had. Uh, of course, Zay at receiver. Um, yeah, Isaiah and Kamari Stevens on the D line, and uh, 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 Goss, the offensive lineman, as a part of mostly all those teams. So, um, a lot of enemies, uh, you know, whether it be uh, uh I think I also saw. A uh, FCS All American team, and it pretty much, <clears throat> I think Zay, and was uh of course a second team on a All American FCS team. Um, so but but the point being that the 
athletes, student athletes on uh, part of the Rattlers football program, highly regarded, highly respected, and it and the proof is in um, how how many different all American teams that uh, we, the athletes find themselves on. Your thoughts, Kofi? Well, I mean, you know, first off, the 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 all American squads and everything that we've seen in regards to our all Americans and our box toros, all swags, all it does is bring up a very old wound that came on Labor Day weekend um, this past <laughs> year versus Jackson State. That's all it does, because it's like doggone it, we didn't had you know we got more. Um, players on the first team, but we still got B-59-3. And I know that, you know, just really with the, I want to say just the crazy week that we've had, this is just the second year in a row that we've had uh, administrative woes just really affect the outcome of the overall season. And going into 2023, um, that can't happen. You know, it can really, really, really not happen. I know that um, the, uh, you know, I know that uh, the the board of trustees supposedly brought down the hammer and they said what they said to uh, President Robinson in regards to his overall performance and everything with that. Um, that being said, it's uh, it still brings up an old wound. What hammer? You know, what hammer did back. they bring? I can't let you. I can't. I can't go. What hammer did they bring? I mean, you getting a raise, getting a bonus? What hammer? Well, I'm just saying, well, you're absolutely right, which brings me to my next point. <laughs> it brings me to my next point. It's, it's really on us, Rattler Nation, to communicate our, our thoughts and our disdain because I'm not convinced that everything that they said they were going to do has been done. Uh, I don't know. I know that they said that they were going to hire our compliance people. I don't know if they're waiting on Tiffany to get in to make so she can make those decisions. I don't know exactly what's going on with that. But what I do know that it's currently not done yet. And if it's not done, that kind of like puts us back into the whole um Puts, puts us in an uncomfortable position because literally when she gets here on January 4th, she's literally got to hit the ground running. And that's not necessarily fair to her and the things that I believe that she stands for. So <coughs> we need to speak up. We need to send our emails. We need to communicate. And I want to say not necessarily going off, but we need to ask questions to find out where we are in the process of all of this. And I think that all of that is fair. I can tell you, um, I've been hearing that uh, I think they've identified the four office spaces in uh, the gate, the office complex for those positions. And I believe that um, there has been at least one, possibly two um, uh, personnel pr uh, going, processes, people going through the process for those positions. So hopefully we'll get confirmation and an announcement um at the beginning of the new year but I, I do know that there is a progress towards that going on now the positions have been funded and and uh 
and um, they will be housed in athletics, but uh, the budget is not coming from athletics. That's the that's what okay. I that's the information I received. Okay. Well, man, you know it's it's just one of those things, man, and I just want us to take the next step. Uh, I I don't want to see the same mistakes that we've repeated over the last couple of years. It's time for us to show growth in this area. It's time for us to show that we're competent in this area and that we're not going back, that we're moving forward, that our APR is going to be at a different level. Our compliance issues will be non-existent, that we'll have that together. We'll have our players eligible and ready to go. Um, and I know that Coach Simmons uh, mentioned that uh, they were going to do their due diligence to make sure that um, they recruit the right players to make sure that, um, you know, when they do go through compliance, that uh the transfer credits and those things which again is still a presidential issue because our president should um in my opinion be making um uh i want to say amendments to our transfer policy to make it easier for players to transfer in and accepting credits you know i will never forget the 2021 season when we had ola Coden and um Kamari Averett, who's currently down at Cookman. I mean, if we have those two guys, this team, the FAMU team, goes 11-0. I believe we would have beat South Florida, and we would have won the SWAC. You know, so in reality, that one mistake cost us about $3 million. Well, I, you know, um, of course, when you reference um, – Colorado, you know, the Dion went there and uh, one of the first announcements that the uh, I don't know if he was the AD president or who he was, but one of the, when they were introducing them, one of the first thing they announced was that they had made some adjustments to their transfer policy so that it would be a little bit more seamless um, for the student athletes to get into uh, the University of Colorado. And I think that's what you're speaking to, not necessarily making it easier or different from um, other students, but just making sure that we look at all our processes and that they they make sense. And the people who work in those areas are familiar with it and understand the process and are responsive, right? Um, and I, I agree with you. Um, we, we always got to be better every year than we were the year before. And... Um, and and that should be the goal of, of of everybody as 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 a university community, um, to serve our students and um, to be responsive to them and and each other, and that doesn't always happen. But you know we have to continue to to use our platform to bring those kind of things into uh, the light and keep keep that pressure on. Um, another roundup issue, uh, Kofi was uh. The, the what black college hall of fame um absolutely you know henry lawrence and uh the rattlers that are coming in through there so go ahead yeah henry lawrence and tyrone mcgriff two uh officer linemen who are you know legendary in fort lore of family football um uh both announced that they're part of the 14th class of 2023, the class of 
Um, there were two of uh, of eight inductees that were selected out of 25 finalists. And, they, uh, of course, I know you agree. Um, I don't think anybody wouldn't uh, <laughs> would disagree with uh, those two nominees, um, no matter if you're a Rattler or not. Um, definitely wouldn't have had uh, – I think both of them were four-year starters at FAMU three or four years uh, and they were all American multiple years. So, um, born to the pros and had, uh, you know, pretty solid, successful, uh, pro pro careers and in, in, in killer's case, I, I think he has a, he has a, an argument for, you know, a hall of fame, um, career with his, but with both his longevity and the super bowls he had and, and the uh all pro teams he made him and Nate Newton actually, I think both have have a case. Um, but uh either way, hearing um hearing and of course Tyrone was uh taken away from us much too soon. And his son, you know, came and was a great player for us and now is the head coach at uh here in Tallahassee at Leon um high school, which is a legendary high school um in the state of Florida even though they've struggled over the last say five years, five to 10 years. Um, but historically they are, they, they've been a powerhouse and juggernaut. So congratulations to both of those Rattlers well-deserved and, um, on the hall did right by the, by the Rattlers on, on this one. You got any more comments on that? No, man, it's time for a break. All right. This is the ONG strike zone. With Kofi, Bryant, be back, and um, Kelvin, we'll be back in about two minutes with uh, our track director, interim track director, uh, Coach Peoples. Whether it's advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season.
Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. It's been difficult because I hadn't been able to see my grandchildren. An expression on someone's face when you do something nice for them. I miss all my friends in school. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. The Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. HBCU, lead pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU, lead pass. It's game time, I'm proud and I love my HBCU, HBCU, lead pass, watch your favorite black colleges, some of the best players in the land, HBCU.
Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. strike zone brian kelvin and kofi here and uh want to take a second to let you guys know jericho broadcast networks we are hosting a, a fundraising opportunity to continue to help us grow a network-wide fundraising goal that we are uh kicking off here you can go to myjbn.com slash grow uh not only are we part of the jericho broadcast networks uh, we are part of the Black College Sports Network, but there is more to Jericho Broadcast Networks, including V108, The Vibe, uh, Urban Vibe, Gospel Vibe, JDTV, and V108 Talk Vibe. You can find out more about all of these platforms by downloading the app, which you can find it on the Google Play and Apple App Store, MyGBN my bcsn every donation helps us continue to grow and uh, in positive ways so that we continue to bring more content not just sports content but all kinds of other content um uh, to you and, and your various platforms so make sure you're following us on facebook twitter and instagram and of course uh, my jbn one on youtube all righty All right. All right. With that out of the way, we are honored to have our, our guest for this this uh, next segment with us, interim FAMU track coach uh, Rufus Peoples. And first of all, Coach, I just kind of want to, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we've been talking about it for, oh, no for, for a few weeks here, and uh, we finally made it happen. Uh, I kind of want you to talk about your background, Coach, first of all. Introduce introduce yourself to Rally Nation. Uh, when did you come to the university? You know, uh, um, how long you been interim? And um, just kind of, you know, your journey at FAM. Start off there, please. Okay, so I came in as the men's jump coach under Coach Dawson last season. And that's what I, you know, basically where I started. And last season, you know, had a few changes, which led me to being the jump coach on both sides. And from there, you know, basically coach jumpers had pretty successful year with the jumpers, including one athlete, Rachel Robinson, going to nationals. You know, um, I think it was like the first woman to go to nationals in like nine years or something like that from, from the university. And then over the summer, with a lot of the kind of coaching transition, people stepping down, well, with Dawson stepping down and, you know, other coaches had already left, you know, Pompey had left before that, kind of left a coaching void where at first the AD asked me about kind of just continuing cross country. 
but it kind of basically quickly snowballed into me just basically taking over all programs. So since the summer, basically, I've been, you know, the interim director of track and field, you know, basically managing all programs at FAMU, um, cross, women's cross country, and both men's and women's indoor and outdoor track and field. Okay, Coach, won't you, uh, won't you kind of talk about uh, what, what was your plan in terms of coming into cross country, that particular um, sport with such a late start, and, and talk about the cross country um, season and how did that go, and then follow that up with where we are with indoor track right now. Okay, we can Okay, so basically it was kind of a trial by fire. Basically it was kind of a trial by fire where it's just like, okay, all of a sudden there was a void to be filled. So they needed a coach to kind of take over cross country. So basically I kind of stepped up. Um had a little bit of a learning curve because as I said, my background is more of a jumps coach. So just trying to transition to like distance and you know, had to kind of basically go study and go learn and go figure it out and, you know, work with the athletes and kind of put together a plan that actually was, you know, somewhat successful because the year before I got here, the cross country team was like next to last in the swag. So of 12 teams, there were 11. And this year we got, I think it was seventh, but even in that seventh or eighth or whatever we were, it was like just a few points between like where we were in like three places higher and I had one athlete that was like injured, which ended up being the fifth person to cross. So we actually could have been a lot higher, you know, had she, you know, not been injured, just basically kind of finishing the race to make it get there. So basically, I just kind of sat down as, you know, at the beginning of the season and just kind of put together a training plan and just kind of, you know, just did what I, I, I knew how to do. Okay, and what about indoor? How's indoor looking right now? Indoor is good. Um, basically, you know, um, so like you know, last year the the women finished second in the swag, but we lost a lot of the pieces that kind of helped us get there. Like, so a lot of the girls who scored most of the points are gone. But over the summer, you know, and so but also what I didn't say about my um background is last season I was a recruiting coordinator. So before I was interim coach, I was also a recruiting coordinator. So over the summer, I was able to pull in a few pieces that was kind of able to fill the void of some of the pieces that we lost. So like I eat, like I, I made mention of Rachel going to national, but at SWAT, she scored like she won that um, high jump, won the triple jump, and also got like fourth or fifth in the long jump. So she by herself scored like 24, 25 points. Well, I was able to land the JUCO national champion high jumper you know, on the female side to kind of replace Rachel, which could also give us some points in some of the other jumps as well. I was also um, able to land a transfer from University of North Carolina and on the sprints. Um, so I, I was able to put a few pieces together, um, especially, you know, to kind of get the girls at least close to where they were, you know, given what we lost. Because, you, know, uh, you know, we had seniors that graduated and all of those things that you will have any year. Um, on the guy's side, um, we've been kind of restructuring the guy's side. The guys should look better than they did last year. 
they're still not quite ready to be trying to compete for like a championship or, you know, top two or anything like that. But they definitely should be better than the seventh place finish they were last year. Okay. All right. Kofi, what you got? Kofi there? Brian? Yep, I'm here. What you got? Well, uh, hey, Coach, uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, with uh, just the challenges that the program has had to deal with and, and just our, you know, athletic environment, that, and I know it's created a lot of challenges, how have you handled that on the recruiting trail i mean what 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 are some of the selling points and i hate to say it that way but sometimes it's like that in recruiting what are the selling points that you're able to get across to the student athletes that still make coming and running for you and running at famu a desirable place while we are going through the the changes and obviously you know, be a lot of improvements when we have the new athletic director in place and new hires in other areas. But just talk a little bit about how you've been able to, to, to reach student athletes with uh, so much turnover over the past year. Okay, it's been actually very challenging. I mean, I could probably go on for hours as, as to how, you know, these different recruitment battles have kind of played out. And I've actually lost many of the top recruits I kind of had ready to come to the program. I've even had, you know, and so there are two things that kind of been challenging. Is I talk about challenge first, then I talk about, you know, the selling points. But two of the things that have been challenging is, one, as an interim, I've spent a majority of the time kind of with my hands tied. Like, you don't necessarily want the interim to do the recruiting if you're thinking you're going to bring another coach. And even before that, you know, like, you know, coaching coaches might have been missing for long periods of time. And as a recruiting coordinator, I wasn't allowed to bring in people for long stretches. So it, it created a lot of challenges. Um, the, one of the biggest selling points is actually just the school. Like there's, you know, especially now there's this whole HBC move, HBCU movement where there are a lot of kids that you might not have necessarily thought would have been interested in coming to a, a FAMU that are like literally almost reaching out like, hey, I would like to go to an HBCU. And if you can identify the kids that literally have in their mind that, you know, I would put an HBCU at the top of my list. And some, it's not even HBCU, it's FAMU. Um, it's really a matter of you can identify the kids that have a lot of talent that also have the mentality that this is where they want to come. That's really kind of the easiest sale. Um, and because I had, you know, the success I had last year with jumpers, I've had jump coaches and athletes from across the country actually reach out to me, which has put a lot of really high caliber jumpers on my radar. And even that success has also bled over to some sprints and some other things. So between just the reputation of the school, between, you know, the whole HBCU you know, movement that's going on and between, you know, the some successes we've had, you know, through last season, that's kind of allowed me to have some of the wins that I've had as far as recruiting. Now I have, like I said, I have lost some heartbreaking recruits. Like I've had some of the, the best in the state of Florida, you know, like in one situation, when you talk about the confusion, 
there was one kid that was I was we were to the point like, okay, well, let me go and write you a scholarship. And it was right before Dawson, you know, kind of took a long leave of absence. And not much longer, his dad was like, hey, I want to send my son there, but I hear you all about to lose your coach. And then, you know, we had this whole AD movement with AD left and all of that. And it was just hard to explain that. And at some point, you know, I was literally at SWAT and I got the text. And this was like my top recruit at the time. I got the text like, yeah, coach, you know, thanks for recruiting me, but I'm going in a different direction. And I've gotten that text a few times, you know, since. And a lot of it was related to not being able to sell, like, continuity or consistency within the program. No, I, I understand that. Well, I mean, so with the with the heavy transition that we've experienced in the track uh, program, uh, will there be a spring relay this year? Or will we hold off this year? You mean like family relays? Yes, sir. When you say spring relay, what do you mean by spring relay? Uh, yeah, he's talking about family relays, spring, coach. Yeah, the family relays. Okay, so that I can't really answer. I don't know the answer. Um, I actually did um, suggest, you know, to the AD that we have a few more home meets and family relays being one of them. Um, and also, he's in an interim situation, so it's kind of a situation where it was suggested. It has been brought up now whether the new AD comes in and, and then it's something that we now kind of grab the bull by the horns and her put together. But at that point, maybe it's, it's, it's too late and it'll be rushed because a lot of teams have already you know made their schedules. So it, it's, it's not looking like it will be one this year. It's something that I do think needs to happen. But at this point, I think some of the stability in the program probably needs to be there before we start kind of really planning big home, home events. Gotcha, man. Hey, coach. So, hey, hey coach. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about uh, you know, right now where we are with with scholarships, both on the men and women's side? Uh, are you know, I, are we offering the maximum? Um, um, you know, how we how are you doing your roster management? Just kind of talk about the the, uh, the 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 athletes you have and 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 maybe some names that you're looking forward to that have a chance to be very competitive. Okay. So as far as the scholarships outstanding, the men have a lot of outstanding scholarships. We hadn't necessarily maxed out over there. The women are closer to the ceiling. Um, but, you know, by next season, as some people roll off, there will be room to, you know, offer, you know, going forward. Now, as far as names to watch, there's Lauren Hall, the um, sprinter that came in from University of North Carolina on the girls' side. And there's also um, Brianna Brown, which is the high jumper that I brought in. And then Kiara Ivy, which is has basically won the conference championship the last two years between the SWAC and the MEAC, both indoors and outdoors. She's definitely expected to win the pole vault. On the guys' side, I have a... Um, Few jumpers to, to watch for. Um, I think 
at this point, like Dijon, um, his development has gotten to a point where I'm actually expecting really big things from him in the long jump. I'm also expecting some um, good things. Well, last year we didn't have um, Pasha Caldwell because um, due to injury, but he's back, and I'm expecting him to kind of step up too. So um, those are two jumpers that I'm expecting big things from. We also have um, Jaden Sanford um, on the hurdles, which should you know score quite a few points in the sweat. Um, and we have a, a couple throwers that you know might kind of you know pull the back end on the guys to bring in a few extra points here and there too. Um, but as far as the names to watch, I think I've kind of named the ones that I can kind of come to the top of my head. Last question from me, Coach, is uh, what schedule. Do you have your indoor and outdoor schedule kind of set uh, as of right now, or are you still uh, – uh, is it still fluid? Oh, no, no, no. So it's actually already – set and it's posted on the site so the meets that we're expecting to go to this year they're there um at this point i don't foresee there being any changes to the schedule i think that's the schedule we're going to go with um and obviously in the interim role if they decide to bring someone else they may take a a, a look at outdoor but i'm pretty sure indoor is is solid because at this point it starts soon as we get back to school okay good stuff awesome uh, Brian and um and Kofi, y'all got anything, for Coach? I man, I'm excited. Let me ask. You know, you. obviously. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You were you were there first. Go ahead, Kofi. No, I was just gonna say. Obviously, you know, uh, track and field means a lot to um to FAMU. And what do you feel like it's, it would take for us to get? To uh to be like a program like an A and T or a a top tier program, um like we used to be. Two things, first stability, and the elaborate on that. I remember being at reach regionals with Rachel, and she told me I was her sixth jump coach. She was here four years, and just even when working with her through the half a semester that I worked with her, it was obvious that there was a lot of developmental things that didn't happen that would happen if she had, let's say, a consistent coach. Like if there was one coach that knew what they were doing, that worked with her for four years, there were, it was just, it was a lot of things that, that needed to be fixed. But even outside of that, it's like there's been this turnover of coaches and ADs and all of those things that create a level of instability that you just can't expect to have a successful program when you're constantly in transition. Like, and, and then, you know, obviously it takes time to build a roster, but like even like this time last season, this season, like there it, it it recruiting has kind of been even even outside of what I've already discussed, you know, it's kind of been slow because you don't have a, you don't know what your stable coach is gonna be. And so you kind of, you know, handcuff like I would be handcuffed to bring in say anybody I want because we don't know, you know, who I'm bringing into. So with that scenario, it'd be probably whoever comes in or if I am the guy. They'd have to be have the will, the freedom to kind of start building a team, and then you have to have time to kind of change the culture and things of that nature, all those kind of cliche things. And the second thing is just literally having someone with a vision to know how to put together. Like the last time it was successful, there was a coach that basically said, like, okay, well, I'm going to win with distance and throws. Um, when you get a coach that's willing to, to have an identity and able to succeed in that identity. Um, 
that type of coach, I think, could win here easily because I don't think it's hard to recruit the family. And I've only, you know, I was like, you know, I've only recruited here for what a year and a half, or let's say last season. And I pretty much feel like this is a place that you can bring talent in. You just have to have a vision to know, you know, to go do it and to bring in the talent that matches with what you do. Like, obviously, I'm jumper-based. So if it was me, it'd be like jumpers, hurdlers, field events, things of that nature. But someone else, they just basically have to lay out their vision and execute it. And I feel like the right person with the right vision could easily turn this program around. I don't know if I answered everything you asked. You did. Thank you. Coach, have they has, uh, anybody? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask, Coach, has anybody from the administrative level? Uh, well, first off, have you had an opportunity to meet uh, and, and speak with uh, AD Tiffany Dawn Sykes? Uh, and then secondly, uh, have, you, have you been given kind of timeline as to when the university will want to sort of make a permanent decision with uh, the track program and, and your role, et cetera? So during homecoming, um, Tiffany did come out to the track. And, you know, she met, you know, a few of the athletes that were out there at the, that time. And she also, um, you know, met me and, and my, my assistant coach. So we did have like a quick, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, quick, you know, chit chat type conversation. So, yeah, we did. That did happen during homecoming week. Um, as far as a timeline, no, I, was, I haven't been given a timeline. Um, so, yeah, I don't have any kind of rank point of reference as far as how long, you know, I'll be running the team or or being or be given the team or have to hand the team off. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. And, and lastly, let me ask this. What, what are, what are our goals? And uh, as it relates to the indoor, I know you talked a little bit about where you think uh, the, 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 the teams could finish. Uh, what, what's, what's the goal um, as you, as you prepare and as you talk to the athletes? Um, obviously the goal is to have as, as good of an indoor season as possible. Um, and to basically stay healthy and use and kind of use indoor to really be a springboard to having a really strong outdoors. So as we go into indoors, basically the strategy is basically to kind of put the athletes in a, in a position to be as strong as possible by the end of indoors, kind of as a transition out so that, you know, we'll be as strong as possible. Now we have one or two athletes that you know, may have, you know, uh, outside shot at maybe a postseason type scenario, or really one that I'm thinking of. But outside of that, really, it's try to get in sweat, get as high, high rank, ranking as possible when we finish in sweat, and basically use it as a springboard to really try to nail down outdoor season. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um Let's give Coach the last word. Uh, anything you want to tell us about, promote, how can we keep up and follow along with the track program, yourself, on social media, et cetera? We'll give you the last word, Coach. 
Okay, so I'm on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, on Twitter, um, R Peeps is R P E E P, um, three R P E E P S three. Um, and on Instagram, it's Rufasa R U F A S S A. Um, and when the season starts, I usually post quite a bit on my Instagram. Um, just kind of following the team and things of that nature. Um, the like I said, the schedule is posted on the Family Athletics website, so you can kind of know where we are and, and things of that nature. And other than that, I mean, I, like I said, I hope we have a really good indoor season, and hopefully that springboards us into having an excellent outdoor season. Good deal, good deal. Make sure if, if we're not already following you. If we're not already following you on social media, tag us, Coach, so that way we can make sure that we uh, we let Rattler Nation know how to read you, how to follow, so on and so forth, okay? Okay. All right. All right, Coach. Thank you, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, chatting with us, man. It's been pretty informative. All right. All right. No problem. And, and I'll see you at the spot. <laughs> okay. The spot. Yeah, like you got a you got a spot. Hey man, you know, take us a break, Brian. Take us a break. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Uh, this is the OJ Strike Zone. (laughs) We'll be back after these words. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. 
Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. It doesn't have this yellow tag. You don't want it. Now you can't. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. <clears throat> Brian Fulford here in audio version. Uh, Kelvin, Kofi. Um, last couple of things that we wanted to get to. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, some interesting news as it relates to the 2023 FAMU football schedule. Um, obviously, schedules are being formed. Um, and lots of uh, rumors, lots of discussion out there. Um, what do we know? What don't we know regarding the FAMU football schedule thus far? Kofi, I'll start with you. Well, we know that we've got eight SWAT games. We know those eight SWAT games. Um, uh, the thing that's going to change with that is uh, – Grambling and UAPB Wait. will not be on the schedule, and they'll be replaced with Prairie View and Texas Southern. Texas Southern will be in Houston. Prairie View will be in Tallahassee, which uh, the, the scheduled date for the Prairie View game is October the 28th, okay, which pretty much means that's probably going to be our homecoming opponent. Um, Bama State is scheduled, I think, um, September 23rd 
and we have another home game with the University of West Florida uh, following the South Florida game. So that'll be our opening home game. So uh, currently we have three home games and we're working on a fourth. So I don't know who that fourth opponent is. What I will, what I will say is that um, outside of the – okay, so you have the eight SWAT games. We've established that. You got the two out-of-conference games with the University of South Florida and West Florida. And so it's one more game. So Tennessee State currently has a 10-game schedule right now. So it'll be interesting to see if we can find a way um, to get them on the schedule uh, at the right time, see if we can work something out. Um, that being said, there's still other teams that are out there in the South, in the Southern Conference, uh, you know, and I'm not sure what their schedules are. I'm just putting it out there. You have Furman, you have Mercer, um, you know, uh, Samford, uh, University of North Alabama, all of those teams, you know, or whoever we can do or whoever we can schedule to get a fourth home game. And, you know, I'm even open to another SWAT team, you know, if, if they're willing to come in and, 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 you know, be that other team that just won't count towards the SWAC standings. I was, I was under so the impression where, that this was, I, I thought this would be one of those years where you could schedule 12 games. Has anybody heard anything? That's next year. That's 2024. Contrary? Next year. Okay. It's, it's 2024. 25, I think, right? Okay. Well, definitely okay. 2024. Okay. It won't be 2023. Okay. So I, I so Cooper, what happened to the South Carolina State game? I don't know. Um, I know that Coach Pugh and Coach Simmons are good friends. Um, I don't know. You know, with FAMU, it's always a, a scene behind the scene. So uh, I don't know. I can't speak to it. I don't even have any speculation on it because I know Coach Pugh and Coach Simmons are good friends. So I don't know what happened with that. Yeah, because it's still on the FBS schedule site. Right. So whoever's um, updated, it hasn't been updated yet. Um, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been finalized. So we are where we are. It is what it is. And uh that's 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 our that's the 10 games that we currently have. We got 10 games right now, looking for an eleventh. Um, homecoming more than likely is going to be October the 28th versus Prairie View, which I think is going to be a very good homecoming. Um, you know, and uh, Bama State's coming. And then West Florida, I know a lot. it's been a lot of controversy about that one, um, you know, just with people feeling some kind of way because, you know, A, they're Division two schools. So um, the people that are playoff uh, thinking about playoffs and X, Y, Z, if we don't win out, um, you know, they're kind of like, well, we're right back in the same boat. Well, you know, the formula that we had when we got in is still the same formula. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, Coach Simmons was very adamant about saying the formula is still the formula. It's the same basic schedule that we had uh, last year. It is what it is. And we can't go around trying to please people that weren't really all that concerned about bringing us aboard anyway. Um, however, True. if this schedule does not work out in our favor and we are not in the SWAC championship game, um, there will be, you know, people will look to see, um, 
there'll be scrutiny. I'll put it like that. There'll be scrutiny, you know, especially if we don't get into the playoffs. But we have a good team returning, and uh, I'm fully expecting us to be in the Celebration Bowl next year. I think that the schedule basically speaks to the fact that we are focusing on the Celebration Bowl. Is Celebration Bowl our bust? How about how about this, yeah, guys? Um, as people, I, I was going to say, as people debate about this schedule thing, let's also remember it also takes two to dance. There are a lot of schools who may not want to play FAMU, may not want to play a school from the SWAC uh, uh, for various reasons, right? Uh, um, and especially have to go on the road because, or at least to a home and home. So it kind of limits our pool, our, it limits our dating pool. You know what I'm saying? Uh, either we find somebody from the MEAC, uh, or it'll get hard with the teams from the Colonial, AMT and Hampton because their schedules are going to be full. Uh, and as challenging as the Colonial is, why would they want to, you know, their conference is hard enough, so to speak. They don't need any, they don't need a tougher opponent. Uh, you know, just, just a thought. Go well, ahead, Kelvin. well, you or know, Kelvin, again, We've got to figure it out because currently we have 10 games. Uh, a three-game home schedule is not going to sit well with Rattler Nation. That's going to be a problem. So we have to find the fourth. Um, ideally, you know, Christmas Christmas wish list. We want Tennessee State. We would want a North Carolina a to, you know, put them on the schedule. Um, got to work it out. It's not worked out yet. It's not finalized. So we don't know. Um, that being said, you know, you got Southland, you got the Southland. I'm talking about conferences within range that would make sense. You got the Southland, you've got the uh, Atlantic. Is it the Atlantic Sun or Big South or both? Big South and uh, Big South. It's the Big South and uh, you got the, Big the, South. You and got OBC the um, Southland, the Big South. You got the Southern Conference to pull from. You got the MEAC to pull from. And we also have the SWAC to pull from. So within that, parameter we should be able to find one team that can meet what we're trying to do well said yeah and I, no, the only thing i was going to add to that in terms of talking about football scheduling is that you you're trying to find a balance you know where the team can um, be competitive and not have too many games where they take a physical uh uh, uh beating and have Meeting. to recover and play top talent. You also have um, the issue of uh, finances, right? Um, you know, unless you do a home home with other FCS schools, which is a two year commitment, then you have to do some kind of guarantee. So the guarantee for a Division two school um, is, is a lot less. Uh, but um, you know, the trade off with that is that you that you um, could lose, number one, and it doesn't help you if you are eligible for the FCS playoffs and you don't win the SWAC. Um, also, I would say, well, if you were going to trade off uh, a D2 program, I don't know if West Florida is the one. I, I would have just kept it HBCU if you're going to do D2 anyway. But, you know, um, 
but I, I would like to see um us um uh bring bring on a, a Tennessee State or a A and T and uh and I like to see uh ATL type classic come back to be honest with you but uh only if the money is right otherwise home and home is fine with me um and um and I, I prefer not having the uh D2 program for multiple reasons um, I think, you know, if you schedule an a and who's part of the Colonial now or a Hampton who's part of the Colonial or a J, uh, TSU who's part of OVC, <coughs> those are out-of-conference games in which you've still got that historical connection with them being HBCUs. But because of their schedule and um, the conferences they're in, it gives the committee, should you not win the swag, it gives the committee – you know, another point to be able to compare to um, in terms of, you know, you know, your competitiveness. So uh, you get both both worlds. You get HBCU, but you get HBCU that's playing in a PWC conference against, um, especially in the Colonial Conference, where who got five teams in this year. So, uh, so I mean, so, so, you know, that's what you, you're looking at. Um, and then you do, do you have money to pay a FCS school a guarantee if you're not going to do a home and home with them? And then of course, just having the schedules lined up where they got the same open weeks or can you or them move a, a game to make it happen? So, you know, you know, the logistics of, uh, of scheduling, um, usually like that, which is why most teams like to try to schedule, especially out of conference as early as possible. Cause you kind of know what you're, out of conference, I mean, your, your, your date's going to be. Um, most of your conference schedule is pretty much October and uh, November and one week in September. So, you know, you know your out of conference schedule is going to be up front. So, but but for me, a, a good formula for FAMU would be, um, I would like to see us get away from beatdown games um and, and 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 replace it like with a atl classic i think you get the same money if not more playing that and, and and have a better chance to win and be more competitive um but you know i'm not i'm not totally against a, a competitive uh uh pwc game where you if you playing like a fau fiu something like that um and then um then have a anttsu historically uh rival on the schedule, and then if you want to do a the third for the third game, if you want to do a a PW uh, a PWC, uh, uh, say a um, Mercer, um, Kennesaw State. Even though I know they're moving up right now, you know something like that would would seem reasonable. Well, I want to I want to talk to the whole thing about classics. I think that we have to be responsible. I know Coach Simmons came on last year, and he talked about last week, and he talked about how much. He really valued the home games, um, which speaks volumes about the direction of the program and what we want to try to do. Um, you know, you schedule the right team. If it's marketed the right way, that's a million dollar payday easily, you know, which is going to supersede anything um, pretty much that you're going to get. Now, the advantage of playing in Atlanta is the fact that it's, it's black metropolis, but more importantly, um, there, there are hundreds, uh, even I want to say, um, 
a plethora of money-making opportunities with the businesses and the media opportunities that are in the ATL that FAMU and uh, the right HBCU can take advantage of, uh, especially during this HBCU movement, and have the opportunity to seize the airwaves, which is a big deal when you're talking about selling your university and putting your university uh, on a higher playing field. Um, there's much more negotiation, I mean, negotiating um, power in the ATL than probably any other city that we would be able to play in. Plus, it's easy for our fans to get to, and they love going, so that's a big deal. Yeah, well, quick counter, Brian, to uh, something COVID mentioned about. First of all, let me say I'm a five game, I'm a five home game kind of guy, so we should never not play more less than uh five games at Bragg. Um you also have have to consider the strain it is though in terms of hotels and, and travel flying in and out of here. Uh you know we had three games that uh conflicted with uh Florida State last year um including homecoming. So you know uh so I hope that we better schedule our home games uh, with them, and we'll, we'll talk with their athletic department so that we we can probably limit that to maybe just one game a year and definitely not homecoming. Um, and then also, uh, you, you mentioned about a million-dollar payday. Um, I can tell you that we ain't had a million-dollar payday at home. We done sold out uh, homecoming and other places. And uh, the thing I always uh, try to guard folks or uh, educate folks on in terms of home games is you know you know folks look at you got s amount of people in the stadium and you so this is this kind of revenue that kind of revenue um student student tickets are part of the equation the band and and, and room they take up as part of the equation uh comp tickets are part of the equation uh so you know uh your revenue might be overstated number one and then also with concessions and and and, and parking and some of the other things there's a spent size uh spent size to, to you know game day security traffic control um you know uh you know just the operation of uh you know the security you know it, so so um i could tell you the way the athletic department has been structured not all those uh revenue generating areas are are under the auspice of uh, athletics so not all that money comes to athletics so you know if we can structure um my game day experience and for football correctly then i agree with you we can get a better return um and we should be getting a better return on that uh well said i so, I, mean, that I, I would add to you... go ahead kofi Go ahead, Brian. Well, no, I, I I just wanted to ask about you mentioned the the conflict of scheduling. I didn't hear obviously between Florida State games and FAMU games. Was there any after the fact? Was there any negatives that you heard about Kelvin in regard to those particular weekends? I know we looked at them as being stressful, uh, potentially. But I didn't hear anything from outside of Tallahassee. But you're there. 
What did you hear about those particular weekends? Well, particularly, like for instance, the uh, homecoming game where Florida State played Georgia Tech, it puts a strain on the uh, emergency services and the police department, frankly, to have uh, all those people in, 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 the, in the city. And so if there's a real emergency and folks got to get around or or they need to, uh, you know, uh, you know, respond is 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 very challenging for them because they've got everybody on call, uh, working on the games themselves, so they have to take away from other priorities. Um, so generally speaking, historically, that though they you know the the sheriff department, the police department, usually don't want to see family homecoming with another home game. Number one, and I know also that. The, there used to be discussions, you know, the ADs or the assistant ADs or the coaches, folks knew each other. They had relationships. Now, it's a bunch, they got a bunch of new people over there, too, and they're not from the community. And, and you know, we had a bunch of new folks. So uh, I, there was less, less collaborative collaboration than previous years. Um, but but, yeah, typically, you know, you, you try to reach out, say, hey, this is what we're looking like. For the fall, what are y'all looking like? And and used to get worked out, and and we probably need a little bit more of that um, going into uh, next season. And yes, I did hear uh, things. You know, you know, you know, folks who are here. You know, we're here, so we ain't got to pay the hotels. Uh, we we know all the back roads. We know to get started early. Um, so you know, it's logistically for us, it's it's not much of a strain. Where you hear the the, the lot of noise from is from the folks who got to come in town, and and deal with those hotel prices and and the traffic and flights and right you know and all that kind of stuff. Right. So right, right. Go ahead. Uh, what what did you want to you want you wanted to add something, to Kofi? Um, no, not really. In regards to that, I think we we've hit it. I would like to see. Rattler Nation and No Nation and whoever else come together to speak to these hotel prices that are astronomical. Uh, I know that it's the season. I know that our, our hotel industry has to capitalize on something, but it's 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 not conducive to long term success. I know a lot of people have accumulated a lot of um, points and many times they use those points um, to pay for those rooms and stuff like that. But it's still that's. That's ridiculous. Six hundred dollars um, for a, a, a <laughs> for a one bedroom, basically with no kitchen and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. But it's not new, though. It's but I, I used to work in yeah, a hotel. But at some point, if you don't speak to it and confront it, it won't change. And that's my point. Okay. Well, I and, 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 and I think tone is important. Thirty plus years. Yeah, yeah, I, I think tone is important, and what COVID is speaking to, Brian, I think is, uh, you know, not so much confronted as become partners in the process, right? We know football season, what it means to this community, and and even the hotel inventory is growing and continues to grow. So at some point, I think uh, it, it'll catch up, um, and and and, and they have to be more competitive and, and more reasonable. 
But but in the meantime, we do need our uh, our, our DSOs from both universities, our our presidents and um and and uh, and our community leaders, and we have quite a few that are rattlers uh, to come together and and work out some things. And in in a small scale, it did happen with uh, a couple of events around um football games. And of course, you you heard about you know had we been able to host a game, the city worked with us on that and, and securing some some room, so it can be done. And we have the relationships we can leverage. Uh, we just uh, need need a uh, a consistent effort um, and focus on that from our leadership. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um... Real quick, before we get ready to close the show, I know one of the bigger stories that came out, uh, Sam Washington, former, now former head coach of North Carolina A&T, as of this evening, uh, seems that he and the school, uh, I've seen it so far, the uh, release saying they are parting ways. I think that's how it was worded on HBCU game day. Uh, our own Jamie Walker, is. we're still waiting to kind of find out was was he fired? Was he let go? Did he resign? The, the, when you say part ways, that could be any number of things. Um, just one more opening. Uh, obviously, Jackson State filled a role with T.C. Taylor. Uh, any quick comments, Kofi, regarding the shuffling, obviously the coaching changes in HBCU football? I'm shocked that the a t um, waited this late to make a move. Uh, and I don't know exactly the circumstances surrounding as to why or how we got to this point or how they got to this point. Um, but if something like this were to occur, their their AD, their AD has been pretty responsible in uh, hiring people, um, you know, quickly. I want to see if they're following the theory of, of hiring somebody within so they can keep the program going or they're going to pull in from the outside. Um, so all of that's interesting. I, you don't really have a whole lot of time because early signing day is next week. So whatever they're going to do, they need to hurry up and do. Um, you know, and then, you know, and I can't worry too much about it because I really don't care that much about A&T. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you've got uh, – a whole bunch of people that's got to hire coaches pretty soon. And it's, it's, it's kind of speaking to the competency level of the people that did the firing and, and who's doing the hiring. Um, true to form, Ashley Robinson had a plan. Uh, they, they knew that pretty much that they wanted to go with TC and they didn't make that a long drawn out process and they closed the deal and the rest is history. So there we go. Calvin, how about you? Any any comments, thoughts? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, Sam Washington went seven and four, I think, what this year, uh, uh, seven and five, whatever the case may be, uh, seven and four. Yep. Uh, so in the big in the big South, and he was undefeated into the last game, and they they took it on the chin in the last game. Uh, the, uh, so I I don't know, you know, about the timing and, and what what led to this decision. Uh, it gives me pause. I, I agree with COVID that uh, AD uh, Hilton up there has been doing a pretty good job. Um, you know, and they're going to Colonial, 
But uh, if he don't, if he messed this up, his job on the line too. Uh, given the timing and and I and they uh star running back is already in the transfer portal. Um, uh, he he look good in orange green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. But uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So so, so uh, that 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 can go bad real quick. So we'll we'll see how that get handled. And then you still got Bethune and Pine Bluff and other schools out there, SWAT schools that are looking for coaches, as well as D two schools, uh, like Albany. Who, but at least they lost their coach because he took a job at a bigger school. So, so um, yeah, a lot going on in HBC land right now, and hopefully the Rattlers can benefit from this. With uh, with North Carolina A and T added, what's the most appealing head coaching job that's open right now? Well, for me, here's what I'm going to say. I ain't going to say a and Go ahead. I'm not going to say a and because um, I believe the UAPB job is a very good job. And the reason why I say that it's a good job is it ain't really no pressure. Like, Southern, you got to come in and you got to win immediately. You come to FAMU, the pressure is on. You go to a Jackson State following a Dion, the pressure is on. There is no pressure at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, and the facilities are not necessarily that bad. So if you get somebody that knows what they're doing and knows how to work that region and knows how to work, um, is not afraid to work that fan base, you can build something up um, and you won't have to face FAMU, Bama State, uh, or the SWAC East every year. Um, you know, Texas Southern has been pretty inconsistent. Prairie View is at an inconsistent state. Southern University with Dooley, they're beatable. Hugh, Jack, Hugh and them at Grambling is beatable, you know. <laughs> so... UAPB is not, I know, I joke about them all the time, but when you go into a job, you want to you wanna feel as though you're appreciated, you'll get that at UAPB, um, but the main thing is that there's not going to be an ax over your head, you know, if you lose immediately, you know, you go to some of these other places, A&T, the expectations are sky high, and I know they're going to the, CA, the, the Colonial, but these people are expecting to win, and, uh, you know, it's going to be more pressure at a t than it is uh, at UAPB. I'm going to be real quick, uh, Brian. What do you say? Uh, I, I'm a, yeah, yeah, quick. Yeah, I'm going to count, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a count on what Kobe said. Pine, Pine Bluff, you don't want to go nowhere. First, it's Pine Bluff, right? You know, I think Scott <laughs> said the same thing. It's Pine Bluff. Nobody cares. You want to go somewhere where people care, where people want to win, who expect to win, and who willing to put some resources toward winning. So, that's why I say uh, A and T um, is more desirable um, because you know, you know, you got a, you got a, you got stability there. You got a president that's been there a long time, AD that's been there a long time. They're going into a power uh, FCS conference. Um, they got good facilities, and um, so so it's, it's a good situation. So if I'm a coach, I want to go where, where you know where they expect to win. I don't I don't see that as a bad thing. All right, go ahead, Brian. I know. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'd, I'd, I'd have to throw the AMT job in there. All right. Uh, as we get ready to close the show here, guys, Celebration Bowl is Saturday. Uh, Celebration Bowl 7, 
North Carolina Central, Jackson State. Jackson State is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 56. Uh, Kofi, I know you don't care about this game, but I still am obligated to ask you for a pick. Who do you like? I'm going Jackson State. Uh, I'm going to say 31-20. Jackson State, 31-20. Okay, okay. I like that. That's going under and covering for Central. I like that. Kelvin, what do you got? 38-28. I think it's, it's, it's about matchups. I think Dion. Uh, he want to go out with a win. He got, you know, he got this power five job. He, you know, he want to go undefeated. I think uh, his players want to go undefeated. And the ones who are going to go in the transfer portal and leave. Um, and uh, I, I just, it, I just think that uh, Central's a little undersized up front on the defensive side. And so I, I don't know how it affected. I know the quarterback. I believe in their quarterback. And um, I know they average 38 points against the FCS opponents, HBCUs or whatever, but they weren't – that wasn't Jackson State. So, um, I got JSU by 10. All right. So, by your score, you're taking the over, and you got Central to cover. I got uh, Jackson State 24 to 17. Uh, I'm playing under the total of 56, but more importantly – I'm laying heavy on Central plus the 16 and a half. And I might just put a little pizza money on the five to one for Central to win straight up. Just in case the MEAC, you know, shows itself to once again be the dominating conference that it's been in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, so, yeah. That's gonna do it. The difference, the difference right. for me this year is the fact that um, South Carolina State had weapons. You know, Shaq Davis is like a Randy Moss type athlete. He's gonna be playing on Sundays. I don't see that North Carolina Central has anybody on that level outside. They are good, but I don't think that their receiving core is better than FAMU's receiving core. Um, and the quarterback is dynamic, but if the receivers can't get space, that's going to be tremendous problems for them to, you know, uh, get chunk plays. And that hasn't been Jackson State all year long. I think even Southern's wide receivers are better than Central's. So I would be shocked to see um, Central get a whole lot of separation uh, with their plays, if that's happening, that's telling me that something mentally is going on with Jackson State that they got caught up in the Dion thing, which is possible. But uh, that being said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Jackson State. All right, there it is. Uh, it's a noon kickoff, noon Eastern. Our very own Tiffany Green uh, will be doing the play by play. So. If nothing else, uh, tune in to listen to Tiffany and show your support for Tiffany Green, Rattler alum, uh, who's calling the game with Jay Walker. And I think the other young lady's name is Tiffany Blackman. So, all right. That's going to do it for tonight's show. 
Uh, appreciate you guys sticking in there with us. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Please make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. The podcast will be available on BCSN Pod Zone and download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Uh, for our producer, Mel, uh, Kofi, <coughs> Kelvin, <coughs> I'm Brian Fulford. Brian. Yeah, I know, I know. Thank you. Uh, once again, support the Jericho Broadcast Network's network fundraiser, myjbn.com slash grow. Uh, help us uh, continue to grow, make the improvement so that we can continue to bring you uh, quality coverage on all of our platforms. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for watching. Be safe out there, guys. Be safe. Um, until we talk to you again next week, you've been watching OG Strike Zone. Make sure to be safe and uh, make sure to strike, strike, and strike again, Rattler Nation. Peace out. Hubba. Oh, <laughs>